Shalom. This week's Torah portion is Be'er Shalet, Yisrael. Shalom, Shalom. It's Pastors Karen, Karen Battle of Ahab Love Ministry. Uh, praise Yah that you all are able to join us again this week for our weekly podcast. Uh, he sent. So we're going to just jump right on into it. We're going to start off with a word of prayer and we're going to get started. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. We just glorify you. We praise you. We come before your presence in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. And we ask y'all that you would lead and guide us into all truth, that you would convict us of sin, that you will increase our faith. Father, we also pray for forgiveness of sins, that you will forgive us for the things that we've done wrong, that's intentional or unintentional. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy, your compassion, and your loving kindness, y'all. So we praise you in Yeshua's name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So we're starting this week in Genesis 32, beginning at verse 3, where Jacob, Yaakov, is getting ready to meet his brother Esau. So I'm going to start reading today at Genesis 32, verse 3. It says, Yaakov sent messengers ahead of him to Esau, his brother, toward the land of Sair, the country of Edom, with these instructions. Here is what you are to say to my lord Esau. Your servant Yaakov says, I have been living with Laban and have stayed until now. I have cattle, donkeys, and flocks, and male and female servants. I am sending to tell this news to my lord in order to win your favor. The messengers returned to Yaakov saying, We went to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you. With him are 400 men. And Yaakov became greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people, flocks, cattle, and camels with him into two camps, saying, If Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, at least the camp that is left will escape. Then Yaakov said, God of my father, Avraham, and God of my father, Yeshak, Adonai, who told me, Return to your country and your kinsmen, and I will do you good. I'm not worthy of, of, of all the love and faithfulness you have sworn to your servant. <clears throat> since, I have, since I crossed the Jordan with only my staff, but now I have become two camps. Please rescue me from my brother Esau. I am afraid of him. Afraid he will come and attack me without regard for women, for mothers, or children. Yes, you said I will certainly do you good and make your descendants as numerous as the grains of the sand by the sea, which are so many they can't be counted. So now, let's start with this week's Torah portion. We see that, um, that Yaakov is getting ready to meet his brother Esau. We see that he sent messengers to his brother um, to to give him to to give him greetings, uh, tell him give him news of, of, of what he's owned, what he owns now, and where he's been for twenty years. And he does this in order to gain favor with Esau. And uh, the messengers return, <clears throat> and when they return, they tell they tell um, Yaakov that they met Esau, and Esau is coming, but he has four hundred men coming with him and when they come and tell him that suddenly Yaakov uh, becomes afraid now the question I want to bring out is 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 why did he get afraid did he get afraid because of um, him bringing 400 men or did he get afraid because Esau may have sent a message of bringing harm to him uh, when you when, when we look into the book of Jasher it shows in Jasher 
that uh that Esau has spoken and said that he was going to come and bring harm or he was coming to get um Yaakov. And I'll read some of that some of that to you um in Jasher where Esau when 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 Esau said what he said. So we're going to go to Jasher uh 32. And um 32 and 9. And Jasher 32 and 9 says this that when the, after the messengers had went to Esau to give them the news of um of what Yaakov had, had told him where he's been in order to gain favor. And in, in Jasher 32 and 9, it says, And Esau answered them with pride and contempt. And he said unto them, Surely I have heard, and truly it has been told to me what Jacob has done to Laban. Who exalted him in his house and gave him his daughters for wives, and he begot sons and daughters, and abundantly increased in wealth and riches in Laban's house through his means. <clears throat> and when he saw that his wealth was abundant and his riches his riches great, he fled with all the belonging to him from Laban's house, and he led Laban's daughters away from the face of their father as captives taken by the sword without telling him of it. And not only to Laban has Jacob come has Jacob done thus. But also unto me he has done so, and has twice replanted me, and shall I be silent? Now therefore I have this day to come with my camps to meet him, and I will do unto him according to the desires of my heart. And the messengers returned, and came to Yaakov, and said to him, We came to thy brother Esau. To Esau we told him all thy words, and thus he answered us, and behold, he cometh to meet with thee with four hundred men. So the the book of Jasher kind of kind of gives us a little insight uh, to why Yaakov may have been afraid. Now Jasher is a, it's, it's an extra biblical book uh, that was taken from uh, of, of the, the book the Bible, you know, um, a few about maybe about maybe about a few years ago, not, not even three or four hundred years ago. But J, but Jasher is an extra biblical book that you can kind of get some insight on why. Yaakov becomes afraid because I don't think that Yaakov would be afraid just because he was saying they told him that Esau was coming with 400 men. I think that he may have gotten afraid because of the message that was sent. And Esau coming with 400 men, there are 400 men. Esau had left from his father's house. He was in Sire. He had 400 men, and that 400 men represents the world. So Esau was bringing the world to Yaakov, and he, he, and he was bringing trouble. So that, that's just some of the insight that I've gotten from from just that, that particular part of uh, of that Torah portion. Pastor Karen, do you have anything you want to say? I just thought it's interesting <clears throat> that um, Yaakov uh, sends messengers, and he wants to make sure that the messengers he sends uh, speaks to uh, Esau and calls him a servant. Um, and, and we know how. Uh, the dissension was when they parted from each other or when he fled over 20 years ago or 20 years ago. And I see where um, we know that Yaakov is humbling himself from an aspect of sending gifts, uh, making sure they uh, relay the message as your servant Jacob, even though we know uh, the word that was given to their mother in the womb that the younger shall serve um, 
The older. The older. Um, the oldest will serve the younger. Well, yes, the oldest shall serve the younger. And I think that this is extremely interesting um, that his his choice of wording, um, his method of operation, how he chose to um, humble himself uh, before his brothers so that he could see his intentions had had changed and that he was truly seeking seeking him out as his brother and to hopefully reconcile as well uh, their relationship. Um, and you'll see uh, the, the name uh, Yaakov being changed to Israel later on as well uh, in the lesson and I thought that that was just extremely interesting as you see his 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 method of operation how he's going about um, humbling himself before his brother so that his brother could know that he was extremely sincere and that he also uh, takes time to stop and pray and um, as is Yah to remember his word that he has spoken to his fathers and he, as he refers to Abraham my father and Yishak my father and uh, put Yah in remembrance of his promise so you see a lot of uh, Jacob's uh, character or just seeing where his mind is in, in his sincerity of what he's doing you know trying to get back to the promised land trying to get to the land of his fathers Amen See that Yaakov may have grown grown in his um in his faith and his trust. I remember twenty years prior he um when when Isaac was getting ready to bless <coughs> Esau, and um even though Rivka had gotten the word from the most high, she still took matters to her own hand. And which which caused which caused uh, some trouble, which caused Esau to want to kill Yaakov. But now we see twenty years later, uh it it, it looks as if um, Yaakov has grown in his trust because now again, once again, the rubble meets the road. He's he, he's he's in um, in turmoil because he he, he thinks if, if his brother comes to kill him, he really has nowhere to go. He says uh, in thirty two and seven says Jacob became greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people, flocks, cattle, and camels with him into two camps. Saying if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, at least the camp that is left will escape. So, so, so he, so he, he he's uh, preparing for Esau to attack and in, in, in hoping that one uh, one camp can escape if he attacks, attacks the, uh, the other camp. But then it says that he said to the God, to, he said he, he says, uh, God of my father. So he he uh, he turns to Yah and he prays for deliverance. He prays for Yah to bring his word to pass instead of him taking matters into his own hand and doing his own thing, which maybe if he does his own thing could cause more trouble. He prays. So he prays to the Most High and, um, and he reminds him of his word. He reminds the Most High of his word as he prays to him, telling him of the promise that he had given to him, what he said he was going to do for him. And, and so with that being said, we, we, we come to a point, it says he, he stayed he stayed in the same place that night to choose possessions to present to Esau, and he gave instructions to his men. And he got up to his family, he crossed the, the, the Jabot, he, he also sent his possessions, his possessions across also, and then says some man wrestled with him until daybreak. So, I'm, I'm going to um, start at verse uh, 
and read and read to the end of the chapter. And, and we're gonna just give a little insight on this also. So uh, 32, 22 says, he got up that night, took his two wives, his two slave girls, his 11 children, and forded the Jabok or the Yabok. He took them and sent them across the streams, then sent his positions across. And Yaakov was left alone. Then some men wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he did not defeat Yaakov, he struck Yaakov's hip socket so that his hip was dislocated while wrestling with him. The man said, let me go because it's daybreak. But Yaakov replied, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked, what is your name? And he answered, Yaakov or Jacob. Then the man said, from now on, you will no longer be called Yaakov, but Israel, because you have shown your strength to both God and men and have prevailed. So Yaakov asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why are you asking about my name? And he blessed him there. Yaakov called the place Penael, the face of God, because I have seen God face to face, yet my life is spared as the sun rose up on him and he, and he was past Penael, living at the hip. This is why, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the thigh muscle and passes along the, that passes along the hip socket because the man struck Yaakov's hip at his socket. So, he wrestles with this man until daybreak and the man tells him to let him go he refuses to let him go and after he refuses to let him go his name is changed now this is what he this is what the man tells him i've changed your name because you have shown your strength to both god and men and have prevailed so so it's something to that the man saw that yaakov would not give up his strength was not necessarily him overcoming the man or not, or him beating the man in wrestling because we see he didn't. We see the man hit him in his in his in the joint of his hip, and it knocked it out of socket. You know, it's hard to fight or hard to stand and and and, and fight. It's hard to fight not being able to stand. It's hard to fight not having your hip in place because you can't stand really if your hip is out of socket. It's out of joint. And but the thing is, in spite of his condition. He refused to give up. He refused to let that man go. Now the name Yaakov means he who catches by the heel, or some people say it means sore plants. But we can see the character of he who catches by the heel in him, which means he never gave up. The same tenacity, the same character he had when he was born. When Esau came out of the womb first, Yaakov came out holding on to his heel. He did not let go. He came out also along with him. And we see that as he's wrestling with this man, he refused to give up. So we see his faith uh, at working. We see we see him uh, seeking, uh, 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 seeking the Most High and not stopping. And then and now they're wrestling at nighttime. You know, you want to ask, well, why are they wrestling at night? Because maybe, you know, as the scripture says, no one can see the face of Yah and live. So at night he couldn't he couldn't see his face, but he understood who he was wrestling with. And good things happen to the children of Israel at night times. Uh, at night times, when when Yah sent the death angel into the camp in Egypt, there was still light and there was no death that came into Goshen to the children of Israel. So we so so some good things happened, and we see him refusing to let him go. So that so that that's one great thing that I want to bring out 
that that um he 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 and, and I bring up the nighttime because he says he called the place Panai El, which means face of God, because I have seen God face to face, yet my life is spared. So so what he said he's seeing him wrestling, he's actually wrestled with him, had a hold of him, and refused to let him go, and but did not lose his life. He refused to give up, and because of his refusal to give up, he was blessed at that spot. Amen. We we truly do see Yaakov living up to, I believe, his name, uh, where he catches by the heel from the word that was given to their mother in the room, the womb, the the turmoil, the struggle, the oh what pain she felt because of the two nations within her and we now know that Yaakov it was a representation of uh, Israel and became Israel it was a representation of the struggle of their the two nations the world uh, coming against or Edom or where Esau or Seir is as part as representation of the world and Yaakov and the land of promise and his representation stands for Israel and I'm often well, I'm reminded um, as we look at this struggle and then um, what Adonai said or what the, the angel or this man uh, observed is that he observed that he could not defeat Yaakov. He was re in a relentless pursuit to be blessed. And I get tickled and uh, when I think about even uh, on two occasions with Yeshua, really three, when he was left alone, was, was uh, baptized by Yochanan, and then uh, Yaakov affirmed him by speaking from above, and then straight away he was led by the Spirit. I mean, Yaakov, uh, but Yah. Excuse me. He was led up by uh, the spirit to, to uh, into the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy. And there he was alone. But he, what did he do? He did not give up. He lives uh, by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of Yah. And we see that uh, Yaakov was already recalling the promises of Yah that uh, from his fathers, Abraham and Jacob. Then we see on another instance where Yeshua was about his father's business. And then as he went and was obedient and led by the spirit of Yah, moved by the promptings of Yah, that he grew in statue with favor, in statue and favor with men and with Yah. So we see a, a, a pattern here. Well, when we're in a relentless pursuit of Yah, not letting him go until uh, he blesses us or until we are standing on a foundation where our faith is sure. Or as Abraham, uh, our father, the father of righteousness, uh, we be in the seat of Abraham. He was fully convinced. He had concluded with at without a shadow of a doubt that Yah would perform his word in this life. So I, every time I see or have been studying this and every time I come across these few scriptures, I get tickled because we see the relentless pursuit of Yaakov uh, manifested in such a way that he is absolutely blessed, blessed beyond measure because now we see that he's able to go farther. And not only did Yah favor him, Hallelujah. But he has gained favor with his brother because y'all honored the petition and the prayer that he had uh, before uh, prayed before this, you know, before he actually began to wrestle with this man. So I want us to be encouraged today, you know, that if y'all has called you to do something, we need to relentlessly pursue him and don't let him go till he bless us. 
Amen. Amen. And now we um, come to chapter 33, and we see uh, the Yaakov raised his eyes and looked out, and there he saw Esau coming, and 400 men with him. So Yaakov divided the children between Leah, Rachel, and the two slave girls, putting the slave girls and their children first, Leah, Leah and her children second, and Rachel and Yosef last. Then he himself passed ahead on ahead of them and prostrated himself on the ground seven times before approaching his brother. Esau ran to meet him, hugged him, and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And Esau looked up, and on seeing the women and children, he asked, Who are these with you? And Yaakov answered, The children are graciously given to your servant. So now, we see Esau, he meets um, with, with Jacob, Yaakov. Uh, in Jasher, it, sh it shows that, that, that as um, Yaakov prayed, says that Yah sent angels ahead of him. Uh, and that's also still in, still in Jasher uh, ch chapter 32. It says, uh, I'm just going to read just a little bit of this. But it says in 32:28, it says, "And the Lord sent three angels of head of the Lord sent three angels of the angels of heaven, and they went before Esau and came to him. And these angels appeared unto Esau and his people as two thousand men, riding upon horses furnished with all sorts of war instruments. And they appeared in the sight of Esau and all his men, to be divided into four camps, with four chiefs to them." So it shows that Yah in Jasher sent sent um, angels to to them to to Esau, and and they kept coming. So when you get down to when so when you get down to verse forty, uh, Jasher thirty two and forty, it says, and Esau concealed his hatred against Jacob because he was afraid of his life on account of his brother Jacob, and because he imagined that the four camps. That he had lighted up on were Jacob's servants. So, so, so when we, when we get to um, Genesis 33, it shows that uh, when they saw each other, the the Esau, you know, he got out, he hugged his brother. They both wept. They so so his heart was different. Now, Jasher shows an account that that his heart was different because Yah had sent angels, and Esau didn't want to die. Um, in Genesis 33, it says that, that they that he, they hugged each other and they they kissed each other and they cried, which is, which is a, temp, a a typical Middle Eastern cu culture custom of seeing one another, um, not seeing one another for a long time. That's how they greeted each other anyway. They hugged and cried aloud in the form of missing one another. But Esau did not reach out to harm his brother, and so so what what we see here is Yah responding to Yaakov's prayer by not allowing him. To be harmed by Esau. And I believe that he did that based on his own word to Yaakov. Uh, the scripture says that trust comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of Elohim. So we, we, we have to trust in his word that he gives us. Whenever the Most High gives us a word, we got to believe in that word. In regards to how it looks. And he will perform his word. He says as the, um, as the rain falls... You know, or as the snow falls to the earth, so shall his word be. And it shall not return unto him void, but it shall accomplish that which he sends it out to do. So Yah keeps his word. 
His word is not vain or void, but his word has meaning, and he honors his word. He honors his word above his name. So, so we, so we, we see Esau not bringing harm to his brother Yaakov. Also, when you look, when you look at it, um, in thirty-three twelve, it says Esau said, "Let's break camp and get along. I'll go first. Yaakov said to him, "My Lord knows the children that are small." And the sheep and the cattle and suckling their young concern me. Because if they overdrive them even one day, all the flocks will die. Instead, please let my Lord go on ahead of his servants. And I will travel more slowly at the pace of the cattle ahead of me. And at the pace of the children until I come, until I come to my Lord in Sire. So Esau replied, then let me leave with you some of the people I have with, I have with me. But Yaakov said, there is no need for my Lord to be so kind to me. So Esau left that day to return to Sair. Yaakov went on to Sukkot, where he built for himself a house and put up shelters for his cattle. This is why the place is called Sukkot, or shelters. So now, we see Esau, Esau uh, left his father's home. He doesn't live no longer with Yaakov. He lives in Sair. He, he, so Esau is not even in the camp of Yah. He, he's, he's actually in the world uh, outside. And, 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 and you can see that Esau wants to lead Yaakov to his place, but Yaakov does not want to go, which, which should be for us an example of the world, the world trying to lead uh, Yah's people and Yah's people not allowing the world to lead them. And also, when Esau wanted to leave some of his men, and Yaakov said, no, we, we got it. So Esau went back to the world, dealt with the world, but Yaakov went to Sukkot. He went to his own place, not, not with Esau. So that, that, that should be a lesson for us as the Most High's people. It's not to allow the world to lead us, but to go where the Most High leads us to go. Go where he tells us to go, and not follow after the world, because it may seem greater, or because it may seem... Or more fascinating, or because we're intimidated, but we gotta hold on to the Most High's word and trust Him at what He says, and go to where He guides us, where He directs us. So He went on to Sukkot. Now Sukkot is one is one of the feast days that we celebrate. It's an eight day feast, and it means feast of tabernacles, of shelters, or feast of booth where we dwell with Yah. So, so I believe that by by, by Yahweh going to Sukkot, He dwelt. With Yah, he he dwelt uh, to the, in the place under the protection of the Most High, and he goes having traveled from Padan Aram. Yaakov arrived safely at the city of Shechem in Canaan, and set camp and set up camp near the city. From the sons of Hamar, Shechem's father, he brought one hundred pieces of silver or parcel of land where he had pitched his tent. There he put up an altar which he called El Elohai Yisrael, God, the God of Israel. So he, pur he, he purchased the lamb outside the city walls oh, of Shechem. He, pur he purchased land, excuse me, outside of the city walls of Shechem. So now why would he purchase land outside the walls? Because he was a shepherd. And shepherds, shepherd, a shepherd would not live inside of a city. And then he pays the amount. The, the amount he pays is recorded. Why? So that everyone knows he paid a good and proper amount for it. So you see those are the points we want to bring out also. 
Amen. And then we got King Hamer, and King Hamer was a a Hivite. Amen, Pastor Karen. We're going to 34. Okay, so now we go to 34. And then this this chapter is a very interesting chapter. Uh, It's a lot lot to deal with. Uh, We see uh, the rape of Dinah, or Dina, uh, Yaakov's son by Leah. Uh, she was about maybe from about 15 years old or a little younger, uh, and um, so she was going to uh, to see the uh, visit the local girls, and uh, Shakim, we see Shakim, uh, the son of King Hamer, where well, he rapes Dinah, and uh, now Dinah maybe shouldn't have went, wouldn't have even went uh, to the place. Some some studies show says that. What she did was an act of rebellion by going to the city alone. Uh, that's just that, that's just some 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 uh, studies uh, say that. So let me just read a little bit of that. We're gonna expound on that also. So one time, Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Yaakov, went out to visit the local girls, and Shechem, the son of Hamer the Hivi, the local ruler, saw saw her, grabbed her, raped her, and humiliated her. But actually, he was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Yaakov. He fell in love with the girl and tried to win her affection. Shechem spoke with his father, Hamer, and said, Get this girl for me. I want her to be my wife. And when Yaakov heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter, his sons were were with his livestock in the field. And Yaakov restrained himself until they came. Hamer, the father of Shechem, went out to Yaakov to speak with him. And just as Yaakov's son were coming in from the field, when they learned what had happened, the men were saddened and very angry at the outrage this man had committed against Israel by raping Yaakov's daughter, something that is simply not done. But Hamer said to them, My son Shechem's heart is set on your daughter. Please give her to him as his wife and intermarry with us. Give us, give your daughters to us, and take our daughters for yourselves, and you will live with us, and the land will be available to you. You will live, do business, and acquire possessions here. Amen. So that that's uh, that's a lot to take in. Pastor Karen, you want to go first on this and expound on this? Well, I think it's interesting that um, two things, being that nothing was initially said to um, Shakim. The, the son of Hamer, which was a ruler, and how he conducted himself, how he behaved himself, to me kind of says that this was the norm or this was something that, you know, took place a lot, which speaks volumes about, I mean, we know what, you know, land they're in. These are people who um, are not Yah's people. Um practice paganism it says that he was a heavy or uh, a hivite um so I, I i just wanted to pull that out because of the the response you know that was given even by or taken even by yaakov because it said that he was extremely quiet until his brothers the brothers uh returned from the field from doing what you know they had been doing um I, I just thought it was just interesting, and then that he could turn around after he had violated uh, young Dino or Dina uh, the way he did, and ask his father to go get him for her, you know. So I wanted to bring that out, and also 
um, here in United States of America, the western side of the globe, um, our perspective or even our uh, definitions for uh, a lot of words are could be extremely off in comparison to the cultural context or the culture and the timing in which this was written. So um, I don't think by reading this that this was a love of one uh, where he wanted to uh, lavish her uh, or even cherish her at the moment but I think it was more of a lustful uh, controlling uh, passionate drive versus uh, loving her from a way that he would provide and protect and, and, and cover her as a privileged and precious gift but more so to lord over her uh, to take what she had already taken um, um, to, to harm her and humiliate her and humble her in the way that he did I don't think that this was the type of love as we see it in our English definition as uh, that they were referring to. Or, or, or from a Hebrew perspective. Or, or from a Hebrew perspective, truly. You know, so when we're looking at this, even though it says he fell in love with her, um, I think we, if we dug a little deeper that we would see that initially he probably was extremely... Um, as we see that he raped her it was it was uh, a life-changing experience for her and that humbling had nothing to do with her being willing as you see it was all something that was forced upon her so her life was changed and to say to say the most about it our sin and his 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 perversion, yes, his controlling, his his drive to have her affected Dinah for the rest of her life, and unfortunately, some things that we encounter in life, whether it's a a person taking something out on you, which, uh, uh for example, uh, you're driving along. A person is driving reckless uh, and due to the fact that they are intoxicated and then they crash into someone, everybody's life is affected and depending upon if they survive and they have life after that, they could have some life-changing um, um, experiences as far as their body, you know, uh, damages, uh, injuries, and it's all due to someone else's negligence, sin, uh, drive, their indulgence and overindulgence in something so she was you know this was devastating to her and she was innocent in the matter and she was affected uh for for long term and i think we need to you know look at that and be able to see that and draw uh from that as we read um also i wanted to point out there again, Shechem, it says the son of Hamar who was a heavy uh he was a ruler we have a ruler of a region, an area <laughs> that has disregard, as I've already brought up, for the female counterpart till they feel he did, not just feel he did, take it upon himself to take what he wanted without asking have they have no boundary set so i thought it was just extremely interesting that this leader this son this prince felt that he could do as he will to to dinah 
to things, people, places, and things. And I'm sure that if he indulged and, and, and was driven away with all his lustful desires um, to the point that he takes from this lady virtue, that I'm sure that de his dealings probably were exactly the same in a lot of areas of his life. So it speaks to leadership to me, you know, when we're looking at it. And we have those in leadership in today's time that are influential in prominent places uh that you know they disregard the order of y'all they disregard um the, the the will and the goodwill and true love to humanity as we should so those are just the different things that i saw in it um that i thought that was extremely interesting that today uh you could kind of see those same um uh, the, the same mindset of people hey, amen um, that's good. So we see, we see, uh, listen to Kim, uh, what we had with, in Shakim, uh, Hamer, he ruled over a confederation of, of tribes. So he had to be a diplomat. So he had some authority and Shakim was a large kingdom. It was about a, a thousand square miles. So what this man did was, it, it was horrible and something had to be done about it. You just could not just let him um, get away with that. Let, let, let me read. We're going to read. Um, this is our Torah portion. We're going to go to it now. First uh, Corinthians 5th chapter. And uh, third, uh, 5, excuse me. First Corinthians 5, 1 through 13. And look at the Apostle Paul. Uh, it's addressing um, some similar. That, that First Corinthians, it ties in with, with, with what Reuben did. But it also ties in. I'm not gonna read the whole the whole chapter next. I'm gonna come back to it when we address Reuben, but it also ties in in, in um and this right here. It says that um let's go. I'm gonna read um verse eleven, five and eleven. It says this: No, what I wrote you was not to associate with anyone who is supposedly a brother. But who also engages in sexual immorality, is greedy, worship, worships idols, is abusive, gets drunk or steals. With such a person, you shouldn't even eat. So, now, Hamer comes to Yaakov and they want to become family. They want, they want his brother, his son to marry uh, their daughter. And then they want to give, they want to trade off daughters and become one people. Now that that can't happen because this, this man was abusive by by a, a physical abuse of rape. He was also an idol worship, you know. So 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 he he violated a whole lot. When you look at when you read Jasher, it states that he wouldn't even let her go. She that when he raped her, he kidnapped her. She was still at his house. And and, and 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 so she was actually held hostage, and she wasn't even she wasn't even let go until her brothers rescued her. After they committed them, uh, uh, they killed the whole, you know, the whole every man, two men killed every man in that in in that kingdom, which is amazing, you know. Uh, it's it, Jesha says that Yaakov, I mean, Jesha says that, that Yaakov and Isaac had to pray for the Most High to protect them. And give them the uh, deliverance because the, the people of the lands of the lands was conspiring to uh, 
to get them. And then so when you go to 35, it says the most I told them to move. And he put he put fear on the, the people around them so they want to attack them. But this man, this, this man humiliated, he, he, he humiliated this woman. You know, he, he, he raped her. He, he, he broke her. And he gave a lasting effect on her, which is not good. You know, and uh, and then and then and then then they have the audacity, you know, to want to be one. You know, and so the sons deceived them. The sons deceived them by saying, "Hey, y'all got to be circumcised because no one can marry into Israel without submitting to the covenant of Abraham." You know, but they understood that. The, but the but the sons understood that the results of the circumcision will be pain and infection. And resulting in a physical weakness for a time, so they, so they put them in a, in in a in a vulnerable in a vulnerable position, and they killed him. They killed they killed every man, Simeon and Levi. They led a raid and they killed all the males in the city. And then the rest of the brothers came in, looted the city, and took their sister. Now because of this, Yaakov became heartbroken. He was furious, you know. Now now. I can understand him being furious about the way they did it, but still something had to be done. They could not just allow this man, you know, to, to, to get away with this. And on top of that, he, he was not the only one guilty. Shekin was not the only one guilty because Hamer was, 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 was the ruler. He, he didn't say anything. His solution was, well, let, let's let them get married. No. You know, and this man's sin, his son's sin, it affected the innocent. It affected it affected this young lady. You know, her whole entire life will be changed from that point. Because she was raped. Think about that. So, you know, he he, he did a hor a horrible thing. Nowadays in uh we have what we call the Me Too movement, where you have people who are coming out, uh well, women who are coming out and saying that they um that, that they've been molested or raped. Or sexually assaulted by people, and, and listen, that's not a good thing. We need to listen to these women and address these issues because their lives are affected by that. You know, uh, leaders of companies should, uh, or, or the countries should take heed and, and, and be attentive to these women. You know, we have some of the similar things that went on even in our country uh, uh, recently uh, 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 when we was um, trying to appoint a chief justice. Or even when it came to our president of the country being accused of certain things. And it seems as if people kind of overlooked certain things and kept going on like it did not happen. Well, that, that, that's not just. And it's not, and it's not righteous. So we got to begin to take heed and listen, even if we don't believe it. Even if we don't think it, think, think it, it, it matters. Well, it does matter. And it also matters in the mind of the Most High. Because if something does transpire or did happen and we act as if nothing did and try to go on like it's okay, then we are just as guilty as the person who done it. So we got to take heed and pay attention to certain things that's going on. So now, we're going to go to uh, 35. Uh, chapter 35, where Yaakov, he moves. So Yaakov moves from Shechem to Bed El to the house of Yah to Bethel. He he moves to the place where he saw angels on ladders to heaven. And Shechem, before they left leave Shechem, we're gonna read in a second, Yaakov orders all idols to be collected and buried. Now, the idols came from the residence of Shechem. 
and, 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 and who was now owned by Israel. So by stealing Shechem's gods, power was stolen from Shechem. So let's read a little bit of that. It says, Yaakov, God said to Yaakov, get up, go to be an El and live there and make there an altar to God who appeared to you when you fled Esau, your brother. Then Yaakov said to his household and all, and all the others with him, get rid of the foreign gods that you have with you. Purify yourselves and put on fresh clothes. We're going to move on and go up to Beit-El. There I will build an altar to God who answered me when I was in such distress and stayed with me wherever I went. They gave Yaakov all the foreign gods in their possession and their earnings and uh, in, in the earrings they were wearing. And Yaakov buried them under the pistachio tree near Shechem while, while they were traveling. A terror from God fell upon the cities around them so that none of them pursued the sons of Yaakov. Yaakov and all the people with him arrived in Luz, that is, be it El, in the land of Canaan. He built there an altar and called the place El Beit El. God of Beit-El, of Bethel, because it was there that God was revealed to him, and at that time, he was fleeing from his brother. Then, and now we come to a place, you all, we, we have, uh, it says, then Deborah, Devorah, Deborah, Rivka's nurse died. She was buried below Beit-El under the oak, which was given the name Alone Bahut, which means oak of weeping. After Yaakov arrived in Padan Aram, God appears to him again and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Yaakov, but you will be called Yaakov no longer. Your name will be Israel. Thus he named him Israel. And further God said to him, I am El Shaddai. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation, indeed, a group of nations will come from you. Kings will be descended from you. Moreover, the land which I gave to Abraham and Yeshak, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from the, from him, and there and there where he had spoken with him. And Yaakov set up a standing stone in the place where he had spoken with him, a stone pillar. Then he poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. And Yaakov called the place where he where he spoke with him. Uh, with him be it El or Bethel. So now listen. So Deborah, Deborah uh, was Rebecca's nurse, and Deborah died. Now, now Deborah was a link between Israel and Mesopotamia. So the metaphor here's the metaphor: a metaphor between the death of family and land ties between Israel and Mesopotamia. So when Deborah died, that um, that land tie was cut. So they were no longer part of Mesopotamia. They were no longer tied to the people of their land. There was a group of, of, of their own nation, their own people. They were no longer part of Mesopotamia. And Deborah was the link. So 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 that link was cut. And they were able to move on. Then Yah appears to um to uh, Israel. So so we're gonna just pull out a few things. It says, And God said, your name, your name is Jacob. You shall not be called Yaakov or Jacob anymore. So he called him Israel. And then Yah says, I am El Shaddai, or I am Almighty. And he put, he gets in the command. The command was, Be fruitful and multiply. 
and he speaks into his life. And, 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 and every word that the Most High spoke into Yaakov's life, he was he received by faith. And that faith is what produced the kings and the people and, and from from the Most High. So that that's that that's a um, that's that that was a very very good thing. And so now we go. Uh, you want to have anything to say for before we go into for Pastor Karen? Okay. So now we're gonna start at verse seventeen. We're gonna read a little bit uh, so we can try to get to the um, to to the new covenant and to the prophets. Uh, but verse seventeen says, while he was undergoing this, while she uh, Rachel she went into labor. We have Rachel. She went to labor, and she had very difficult with the labor. So now, in verse seventeen, it says, "While she was undergoing this hard labor, the midwife said to her, Don't worry, this is also a son for you.' But she died in childbirth, and she was dying. And as she was dying, she named her son Ben Oni, son of my grief. But his father called him Benjamin, son of the right hand, or son of the south." So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem, or Bethlehem, Bethlehem. So Yaakov set up a standing stone on her grave. It is a standing stone of Rachel's grave to this day. Now Israel continued his travels and pitched his tent on the other side of Megdal Edar. It was while Israel was living in that land that Reuben went and slept with, his, with, with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. Yaakov had twelve sons. The son of Leah was Reuben, Yaakov's firstborn, Shimon, Levi, Yahuda, Yishikar, Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Yosef and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, uh, Rachel's slave girl, was Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah, Leah's slave girl, was Gad and Asher. And these were Yaakov's sons, born to him in Padan Aram. And Yaakov came home to his father Yishak at Memory near Kiryat Arba, also known as Hebron. And, and Abraham and Yishak lived as where Abraham and Yishak lived as foreigners. And Yaakov lived to be a hundred and eighty years old. Then he breathed his last, died, and was gathered to his people, an old man full of years. And his sons Esau and Yaakov buried him. So now we see uh, Reuben rebels against his father. Started in a coop by sleeping on his couch. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit from Jasher because what Reuben did, he lost some things. And when we see in Genesis uh, 49, when Yaakov said, Reuben is, he, he, he's shaking, flicking, shaking like water. He's unstable like water because he got up on his couch. He started a rebellion against his father in, in a coop. And that had to be dealt with. And because of that, he lost something. So Jasher 36, 14 and 15 reads this. It says, And Reuben was jealous for his mother Leah on account of this, and he was filled with anger. And he rose up in his anger and went and entered the tent of Bilhah, and thence removed his father's bed. And at once the portion, and at, and at that time, <clears throat> the portion of the birthright together, together with the kingly and priestly offices was removed from the sons of Reuben, for he had profaned his father's bed. And the birthright was given to Joseph, and the kingly office to Judah, and the priesthood to Levi, because Reuben had defiled his father's bed. So Reuben started in a coup. He started a rebellion against his father because of his jealousy for his mother 
And and so that that's a problem. And we cannot uh, y'all cannot allow that to happen. Even the Torah, the Torah clearly speaks to honor your father and your mother. So your days will be long upon the earth. And uh, so Reuben, he went against his father when he done that. that it was actually an act of war, uh, a, a rebellion to his father. And he paid for that greatly because he lost he lost the birthright. He lost his birthright. And so the birthright was given to Joseph. The kings come through Judah. And the priesthood was to levy. All because Reuben had defiled his father's bed. Pastor Karen, do you have anything you want to say about that on it? You just see, um, here we, we're looking at Reuben being um, removed or the firstborn blessing taken from him because of the actions um, that he initially uh, went forth in acting out. Uh, removing his father's bed, sleeping with his concubine. You just see certain patterns of uh, the firstborn that is taking place from the beginning of the bear, sh bear sheet up to now. And um, I just want to encourage us that if you uh, are the firstborn, there's just phys literally the firstborn of the siblings. There is a weight that you carry. And to not become envious, to not want to jump the gun, uh, to stay the course. Because there could be a lot of things that you give up. And, uh, you know, that that is rightfully yours. But because you were not fit, uh, that you were, your character did not line up or that you were just, you know, ha become so out of focus that you begin to cause more damage uh, to, to, to the family uh, and more harm to the family than of good. Don't allow the enemy to dupe you. Do not allow the enemy to trick you as the firstborn. All right, and that's if you're literally and even spiritually, you know, looking at this, stop. We're not to be envious. We should not be jealous. We can't do, um, we can't make things happen. Let me put it that way. And y'all doesn't need any help. He just need willing vessels that are willing to move according to his spirit and Yeshua. Yeshua HaMashiach is the greatest example ever. And we are reading in about our patriarchs. And some of our matriarchs where we also have examples there. So we need to take heed and uh, stay the course. Because Reuben, he lost out. He really did. And it affected his descendants. Big time. Tore him up. So we're going to read. Um, what, what, in 36 talks, talks about Esau. If you can go to our YouTube page and get the entire lesson uh, from, from, that, from that. We're going to read 1 Corinthians uh, 5. And we're going to see something that, that the Apostle Paul is going to address. Also, <clears throat> so 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, says this. It is actually being reported that there is sexual sin among you. And it is sexual, and it is sexual sin of a kind that is condemned even by pagans. A man is living with his stepmother. And you stay proud? Shouldn't you rather have felt some sadness that would have led you to remove from your company the man who has done this thing? For I myself, even though I am absent physically and with you spiritually, and I have and I have already my and I, I have already judged the man who has done this as if I were present in the name of Adonai uh, of the Messiah Yeshua, when you are similar with me uh, spiritually and the power of our Messiah. 
Yeshua among us, hand over such a person to the adversary for his old nature to be destroyed so that his spirit may be saved on the day of Adonai. So now that we see two things in, in, in this. We see the man sleeping with his stepmother, and, and, and so we, we can kind of get uh, get a thought of Reuben sleeping with his father's concubine. You know, that thing was, was not to be uh, taken lightly. But here's the second thing. When you look at uh, Shechem, when he raped Dinah, and, and nothing was said, Paul says, Paul says right here in, 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 in chapter 2, I mean verse 2 of 1 Corinthians, he said, and you stay proud. It seemed as if even Shechem or Hamar stayed proud, you know, uh, and didn't do anything about the situation when it came down to his son raping that girl. That, that, that was not good. The Apostle Paul said, cast this man out. Put him out. Hand such a person over to the adversary for his old nature to be destroyed so that his spirit may be saved in a day of Adonai. So we have a responsibility that when we see people uh, that's of a household of faith doing certain things to respond to them and not just be passive. Listen to this. Um... And I want I want you all to see something. Let me let me let me read uh start at verse nine. It says this in my earlier letter I wrote you not to associate with people who engage in sexual immorality. I didn't mean the sexually immoral people outside your community or the greedy or the thieves or the idol worshippers. For then you will have to ha have to leave the world altogether. So Paul was not talking about those who are not believers, those who are not of the of the faith in Yeshua. He was not talking. He was not talking to to pagans. But this is what he said. He says, "No, what I wrote you was not to associate with anyone who was supposedly a brother, but who also engages in sexual immorality, is greedy, worship idols, is abusive." gets drunk or steals with such a person you shouldn't even eat. For what business, business is it of mine to judge outsiders? Isn't it those who are part of the community that you should be judging? For God would judge those who are outside. Just expel the evildoer from among yourselves. So, so, he, so Paul is talking about the people who are supposed to be believers. We, we should not allow sexual immorality to happen. And not say anything about it. You know, or somebody who's greedy, somebody who worships idols, or who is abusive, or who gets drunk, and we boast in him. And it's so sad that even today, people who are so called believers in the Mashiach allow certain things to happen. You know, people don't honor the Shabbat, and we just, like, it's okay with us. Uh, we have people who are homosexuals in leadership. People who commit adultery uh, and leadership, and we know about these things and don't address it. People who are abusive, verbally, physically abusive, they're supposed to be believers in the household of faith, not just in leadership, but believers. And we allow it to happen, and we say, well, you know what, well, mind your own business. Don't say anything about it. It don't have anything to do with you. Well, it has a whole lot to do with you. If there are believers in the community and, and you are a believer and you don't say anything about it, it's wrong. It's wrong to see something that you know is not right and shut your mouth on it. That's just, you, you just is wrong. 
You got to deal with the individuals. You got to deal with the issue. Even if it causes them to be offended. Because people will get offended at truth. But we have to stand for righteousness and not back down to the adversary. And y'all provide. He'll protect. He'll do what he has to do. But we have to respond to his word out of obedience. And out of our trust. And not allow these things to continue to happen uh, in the Messianic community. Pastor Karen. Um, uh, I will comment on the 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 fact of being proud, um, whereby um, us not saying anything and just letting it slide or overlooking it as you will, or turning turning face as if we don't see it. Uh, we're just as we're held liable too. You know, so I think that it's interesting um, that uh, how it's said in Scripture, um, verse 1, and this is 1 Corinthians 5. It is actually being reported that there is sexual sin among you. And it is sin, a sexual sin of a kind that is condemned even by pagans. So we know that um, he said this sin... This specific sin, because there's various types of sexual perversion, but this one, even the pagans despise, you know, they, they condemn this. This should not be so uh, that we turn the other hour, just, you know, turn face from uh, what we quote unquote call big sin or <laughs> or the small sexual sins, you know, just uh, the fornication. But the adultery is over here. All of it is absolutely wrong. Even though certain sins are are um, a visa, you give yourself a visa to death. You know, you you die. That that was your punishment. However, certain things that we allow to go on, and we're we're specifically targeting sexual sin because we see that happen uh, from King King. Um, what's this? The uh, David. No, the king's son. Solomon. Herman's oh. son, King Herman's son, Hamer, Shaquem, ha- Hamer's son, Shaquem. Okay, that was that was a sexual uh, uh sin. He took right. took by force, right? And then we're looking at Reuben. He committed a sexual sin, uh, and it's perversion. All of it is because he's taken of a virtue from someone. Then, um, you have uh, Reuben taken from his father father's bed perverting the his bed then you have the sexual sin going on in the book of corinthians where he's sleeping with his stepmother it just should not be now we're targeting specifically sexual sin but across the board sin needs to be called out now how we go about doing it and whatever attack y'all gives you we need to be bold enough to stand and stand against the, the wickedness of the enemy, regardless to who we having to deal with, because he's talking to the community of Yah. So we do have things going on in our in our little congregations or little camps or little ministries or wherever you go to that you need to stand bold and start speaking the truth. Stand up, tell the truth, expose the sin, 
uh, you know, however y'all gives it to you. But we are held accountable. We are liable when we know that it is going on. And I think that it's just uh, important to point that out. That he said that even the pagans condemn this, this type of sin, this type of sexual perversion. But yet, in the body of y'all today, we deal with that and even more. So we need, y'all needs his people, his believers, his teachers, or whatever uh, he's called you as. Part of the fivefold ministry, whatever you believe. We need to be standing up, telling the truth, people of y'all. Not be afraid of the enemy's faces. Not be afraid of being left alone. But we need to rather fear that can destroy both body and soul for eternal damnation. We cannot fear man. We need to fear y'all. So I want us to take a stance, you know, a, a true stance on that. And that we're going to be bold and declare the truth of y'all. That we're going to stand against sin. You know, you, you know, it's not once saved, always saved. We have rules. We have misvoice regulations <laughs> and, and, and commands that we have to live by. So that is my challenge for us this week. You see sin, we don't have to be ugly about it. But you need to be able to stand bold in the spirit of y'all, not in of your flesh, and, and, and come against the wickedness of the enemy. Especially when we know. The problem comes in when we know. Even in scripture, when we know to do and we don't do, what do we commit? It's a sin. It is a sin. So uh, that is my challenge today. I know we're focusing on sexual sin, perversion, uh, starting from uh, the better sheet to uh, looking at um, uh, Kim Chirac. Uh, Shaquem. I'm sorry. You all forgive me. Shaquem, the prince. King Herman's son to Reuven, and now we've linked it and tied it into uh, in the book of Corinthians, where uh, Paul is speaking to the church there, Corinth. The Messianic community. The Messianic community. So we, we, we have to stand bold. We have to teach the truth. Um, and I encourage us to stand, stand in that. Don't be held liable. Don't leave blood on your hands. Okay? We have to speak forth the truth. And especially in the body of Yah. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not going to bash the world for what we know the world does. That's what they do. We're even in the world, but not of the world. Our ways should be different. But when we are amongst our brothers and sisters who declare that they are sons of Yah, then it's time to be bold. It's time to speak and, and, and bring forth correction. And bring forth light and bring forth truth on the matter. Amen. Amen. So we thank you all tonight for, for joining us for our weekly podcast. Uh, if you want to get in more in-depth in this study, you can go to our YouTube page. Uh, it's Ahav Love Ministry. Also, you can visit our website at ahavloveministry.com. That's A-H-A-V. L-O-V-E-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-Y.com. So you can go uh, to, to, to our YouTube page and, or our website. Uh, also, you can get daily encouraging scriptures on our Facebook page, uh, Hive Love Ministry. So you all have a great, awesome night. We're going to pray and we're going to uh, be out of here. So, Father, we thank you. We just glorify you. Thank you for your mercy 
and your loving kindness. Thank you for keeping us, Yah. We pray, Yah, that you will help us to continue to walk in truth, that we will live uh, before you an obedient lifestyle, that we, we will not be passive to sin, but we will address the sin, and we ourselves will be accountable. Father, I pray that you will just continue to help us to just be convicted and to grow and have relationship and to discern when you're speaking to us. Help us to have the heart to seek your kingdom first and all of your righteousness. So the things that we need shall be added. We love you and we want to show you our love through our obedience to you. Father, we praise you. We glorify you. We thank you for being our strength and our shalom. And we praise you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Shalom. Shalom.